for someone to grow into becoming a fully engaged follower of Jesus, it, at least with us, the way we've chosen to kind of communicate it, and it, this is not the only way, but this is just the way we've chosen to communicate it, and it's really with these uh, four word pictures, uh, strangers, friends, family, and then missionary servants. So if you've ever been with us for a while, you understand strangers, friends, family, missionary servants. In other words, we want to help people who are strangers to God, strangers to the community of faith, and, and we want to help them become friends. And then we want to invite friends to become you know, family by inviting them to belong, by creating a sense of belonging with us. And then as a, as a family of disciples, uh, as, a, as a family who disciples, we, we want to help people choose to actively live life as missionaries and servants in the everyday spheres of their influence. Hopefully, that means that they seek out strangers <laughs> who will eventually become friends. So we have this kind of continuum, and that's the way we've kind of described it. And so uh, today, my goal is to help remind some of you and maybe convince the rest of you that the Scripture is clear on the need for everyone to be in community with others. And if you're not someone who believes in everything you've heard about Jesus and the Bible, I think this is a great message to listen into. Because if you were to begin putting into practice, without even believing in the source of where we are getting these principles that we're going to be talking about today, you would see that your life is better for having put them into practice. Now, uh, life is so much more than about doing things that makes your life better, especially for those of us who follow Jesus. And if you're someone who has said yes to faith in Jesus and have committed to the lifelong journey of learning to, as we say, increasingly submit all of life to Jesus as Master and Savior, then your motivation to seriously consider what we are going to be talking about today goes way past hey, how can I make my life better, right? In fact, it's, it's, it's even better than having a life that you think is improved. What we are talking about is an often missed spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline essential to a thriving spiritual life in Jesus. And not fully grasping these principles is also why some people who consider themselves Christians find themselves struggling, as I like to say, unnecessarily. We'll talk about that more in a second. But before we talk about that, I want to see if something that has taken me probably about 40 years to learn is something that you already know. Uh, and I, and I, you probably already do, because I know a lot of you are smarter than me. So here's, here's what I've learned and am still learning. And maybe you've already learned this too. That one, no matter how old you are or how smart you are, or how much Bible you know, or how many years of Bible school you attended, or even how many years of your life you've given to engaging in ministry, no matter all that, there will be times in your life that you will get, how do I say this, overwhelmed. Like, there are times in your life no matter how smart you are, how much wisdom you think you have, how much street smarts you think you got, 
how much you've given to the Lord. There will be times in your life where you are overwhelmed. And then there will be times in your life where you don't, some of you don't get offended, where you don't make (laughs) all the right decisions. There's going to be times of your life where you, you probably made a selfish decision or you made a wrong decision. There will be times, no matter how smart you think you are, no matter how much Bible you know, there will be times where you go, oops, I did it again. Uh, right, right, you, you messed up. And there will be times when circumstances of your life that you can't control seem to kidnap you into situations you did not ask for. No matter how smart you are, no matter where you came from, no matter how poor you grew up, no matter how affluent you were, no matter, no matter how tall, how short, how fat, how skinny, any of those things does not matter. There will be times in your life where circumstances in your life that you can't control seem to kidnap you into a season of your life that you did not ask for. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And there will be times when life throws things your way that causes you to stumble. I didn't say reject God, but it feels like you're stumbling out of a connection with, a relationship with God, away from your values, away from the things that you are committed to. There will be times in your life where things will be put in front of you that will cause you to stumble. And suppose you found this to be true in your life or maybe in the lives of those around you. You're like, oh, I don't know about me. I'm, I'm pretty good, but I... I know some people, they don't have their life together. Okay, all right, maybe that's you. Then would you allow me to ask you to ask yourself this question? What or who do you already have in place to help you when life gets overwhelming? Like what, what is in place in your life to help you when life gets overwhelming. Now, maybe, maybe that doesn't make sense. Let me ask it in a more specific way. Who in your life feels like they have permission to ask you, are you okay? When things clearly aren't. Even more important, who do you have in your life that feels like they've been given the permission to not accept? Fine. I'm good. I'm I'm good. You know, know, it's tough. It's tough for everybody, right? We all know that the answer, right, that you give to people when you really don't. you're, You're like, if I told you, first of all, I don't have time. And two, you probably don't want to hear it all. So, yeah, uh, you know, uh, this too shall pass, you know, uh, better than I deserve. Now, some of you are going like, man, Phil, you say that all the time. Okay, well, whatever. This is about you, not me, okay? So I'm preaching to you. No, I was kidding. Now, these are crucial questions because I believe that the implications of these questions 
can have a huge impact on your life. For instance, do you think that there are things that could be thrown in front of you? Or maybe let's not talk about you. Say you have kids, or you want to have kids, or you know kids, or you think kids exist. Okay, so now I've got everybody. Do you think that there are things that can be thrown in front of a child or a teenager? Maybe it's your nephew, your niece, that could cause them to stumble from their faith, from their values, out of church, away from God and accountability. Do you think that there are things that could cause it to happen? Of course, I've seen it. You've seen it. Some of you have experienced it. And the funny thing is if you've ever tried to tell them about the potential stumbling blocks that will come their way as they get older, you ever try to tell a, a young person, oh, be, care- be careful, uh, I see what you're, be careful, you know, that's not really the wisest decision. If you try to tell them, they kind of look at you and, 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 and with, those, with, that, with that face. You know that face that like you're, you know the face that, gosh, you're so old. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. Oh. They all sound like that too. It's funny how they just, oh my gosh. Oh. You're crazy. That's never going to what happened to me. And of course, those of us who are older and wiser say, if you only knew. (laughs) If you only knew. You know, I think that's how our Heavenly Father looks at us many times. I think He sees us sit in settings like these and talk about things that we're talking about right now. And He knows that some of us are going to say something like, That's, that's, that's good. That's, that's good, Phil. You know, but that's, that's never going to happen to me. And our Heavenly Father is, is looking on us. And, and if we could hear with ears that could hear, we would probably hear him say, Oh, child, if you only knew. In fact, we get a glimpse into this. When Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 17, he said this. Jesus told his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Are bound to come. Not might come. Not for some people, for the dumb people, for the not affluent people. For, he said, things that cause people to stumble are bound bound to come, but woe, so something worse, but woe to anyone through whom they come. Now, the first part of what Jesus says is really what I want to tap into. And I don't want us to miss out on what Jesus tells us, that there are things that can cause people to stumble. And guess what? They are bound to come. This means that there's something out there for us all that has the potential to throw us away from our faith. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you really need to pay attention to this principle because Jesus affirms this and promises this reality. So, 
you know, the big question obviously is, what does this have to do with living life on mission together? Here's a connection. Here's a connection. And here's why it's, it's so important as it relates to my desire for all of us to be in community with each other. It's this. <clears throat> it's easy to stumble out of church. It's easy. It's easy to stumble out of church. It's easy to stumble out of faith. We see it happen all the time. Uh, good friends of mine who are pastors of churches, and they, all of a sudden now they, just, they, they leave the church and they leave their wives and they marry new people. And they, I see it all the time. It's easy. It's easy to stumble out of your relationship with God. I've seen people do it all the time. But it's almost impossible to stumble out of community. The best way I know to explain this is found in something written in the scriptures by a man named King Solomon. It's our text today, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And here's what Solomon has to say in verse 9. It says this, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. This principle could be found in a more popular song, It Takes Two, Baby. Right? It takes two. <laughs> right? And so, verse 10, For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the fool. Pity the one. Some of you don't get the old Mr. T. Uh, I mean, I'm dating myself. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. I think we can all relate to a time in our lives where the circumstances of life's journey can cause you to stumble or fall. But unfortunately, fortunately in these moments, when you fall, what you need most is what you desire the least. But here's the challenge. We need to choose not to do that. And the best way I know how to prepare for the stumbling blocks that will come your way is by repurposing your rhythms to engage in community with people who are a part of your local church. Even as I say this, I know that some of you can recollect what it was like to see your child, your brother, or sister, or friend be in the kind of community with other people who follow Christ, where someone came alongside of them and was able to say, no, no, we are not going to let you continue that self-destructive behavior. We are coming beside you and we're going to get you the help you need. No, we're not going to let you suffer alone. I know you want to be by yourself and you want to recluse, but we're not going to let you do that. We're going to listen deeply and we're going to pray with conviction and then we're going to encourage you out of whatever it is, the evil one, would want you to believe. And why would a healthy community look like this? Because each person in a community like that believes what Ecclesiastes says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either one falls, his company can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. You know, being in community with others who have found and follow Jesus is essential to healthy living. This is because when you are tempted to do things that are incongruent with God's standards for your life, <laughs> your community 
is there to help you when, not if, you stumble. And I want you to be in community because I don't want to have to say to you what I've had to say to some people who come to me when they are in the middle of a stumble and then they want help from the church, but they're not in community. Not so much nowadays, but in the past, I I remember people sending emails or calling And this is not just like strangers off the street. These are people who probably regularly attend. And they get into a tough time. And then they want to know, can the church help? And I don't want to have to say about you what Solomon has to say about those who stumble. But do not have anyone to help them up. Pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. You see, Solomon has more to say on what I think is helpful in understanding why being in community with others is not only a spiritual dis- discipline, but actually is, is, is actually a highly practical spiritual discipline. Something that, whether or not you even believe everything you've heard about Jesus in the Bible, if you just put this into practice, it actually makes a difference in your life. And this is why he says this in verse 11 through 12. He says this, Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. That makes sense. How can one person alone keep warm? That Well, that makes sense. And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So Solomon switches from talking about things that cause you to stumble and begins talking about how being in community helps you when life comes at you in ways that you don't expect. And what I believe Solomon is communicating here about the power of community is that it has the potential to keep you from being overpowered or overwhelmed in the first place. In other words, community is preventative. Community is preventative. Now, how is community preventative? For one, being in community helps you see things you can't see. How many times when you've been with people, you have said to yourself, oh my goodness, if she only knew what's coming to her. As Uh, Is there anyone in your life that you know, like, oh my goodness, as I watch the decisions he's making, oh Lord, help him. I can see it, but they can't. It's it's not like we're people who have like special powers to see into the future, right? Like, it's it's not like anyone has those kind of powers. But still, sometimes it's just too easy to see the potential of being overwhelmed by life when you're not on the inside. It's a unique thing. For example, I, I like what one pastor has to say, and, and this may be offensive to some of you, but please know I'm not trying to offend you. Uh, and if you are offended, by these aren't my words. These are someone else's words. So I can give you his name later, or you can download the notes and you can find it and you can take it up with him. But I'm just quoting somebody else, okay? just want to make that clear. Here's what he says. <clears throat> Single people. There are things in your life you will never deal with until you are married. Some of those things are the things that are keeping you from getting married. You don't know what they are. Otherwise, you would have already dealt with them. And when you're single, the great thing is that you can do whatever you want. You don't like a roommate? Go find a new roommate. Don't like that job? Just change jobs. Don't like that cities? Well, just change cities. One of the great things about being single is that you are free. 
The problem with more freedom is that nothing forces you to deal with you. And being in a small group as a single person is the best thing you can do for your future relational, uh, for your relational future, whether you get married or not, because when you are single, you have no one who will force you to deal with things that will be an obstacle to you later. In a community, someone is going to see it, and in a good one, someone will say something. Same pastor goes on to be an equal opportunity offender and pick on married people, and he says this, married people, there are things your wife can see and you just can't hear her. What? What? No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. There are things your husband can see, but he's too afraid to say something. What's wrong? Oh, nothing, nothing. What, you have a problem with me? No, 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 it, it's fine, it's fine. Just whatever, whatever. But when you're in a community, especially a good one, people can come along and say the things you need to hear to prevent you from breaking when life overwhelms you. Every marriage needs some support now and then to avoid the need for life support later. So, if you like that, well, I wish it was my words. Those are my words. But hopefully that speaks to you on how community is preventative. Because listen, preventative is better than reactive. Preventative is better than reactive. But to be fair, there is a problem with preventative. Some of you who are more negative-minded, probably already gone there. For instance, you don't have the ability to know exactly what you've prevented. Like, being preventative, the negative part of it is that you never see what you've prevented. So it's not like you can go like, yay, I prevented, because preventive in nature means that you don't go into those things. For instance, like how many car accidents did you prevent this week because you were a good driver? You didn't take that turn really fast because it's winter in Minnesota, right? We don't, you just don't do that. I don't care if you have four-wheel drive. All four wheels still slip on ice, right? We know that. So you slow down. You're preventative. And if the idea of being in community as preventative maybe just doesn't seem like a concept that feels applicable to you, maybe you can look at it in this way. <clears throat> being with community and others is like retirement savings. If you wait, you won't have it when you need it. This is why preventative is better than reactive. And some of the most challenging conversations I've had with people in almost 20 years of ministry are when tragedy strikes and people want to know, can the church help? Can the church help? And you know what I always ask? Because this is a really good question. Are you connected in community with people who are part of this church? And you know what I hear majority of the time? When I meet people who are just overwhelmed and they want the church to help. Like, oh, the church needs to help. The church should be helping. Those people oftentimes say, 
no, you know, I've just been busy. I've been, life has been overwhelming, and I just don't have the time, you know. Now, if it seems like I'm beating a dead horse about this subject, it's only because <clears throat> at the end of the day, this is like a really deeply personal topic for me. Because an active engagement in a small community of people within a local church is what saved my parents' marriage, for those of you who know my story. But it's also a lack of it that eventually led to my parents' divorce. You see, my parents didn't have a perfect marriage, but they had a healthy community they were a part of when I was growing up that made all the difference. And you know what's funny is in the last few years, I've had a chance to reconnect with some of my parents' friend, adult friends as an adult. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like as an adult, I was no longer that teenage, the son of Bill. Uh, and I've had to connect with them and I, and I just asked them like, hey, what was life like back then? And and, and I've had interesting conversations with those people who are in community with them who've told me stories about like, you know, oh yeah, I had to tell your dad one time that he needed to, and oh, your, your mom, she was going all kind of crazy and we just had to sit her down and we just had to pray with her, tell her was, tell her was going to rub her hand and tell her was going to be okay. And, 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 we, and, and, and it's like, oh my goodness, I never knew that. Because when things got tough and life was overwhelming, they had a community of people to encourage and lead them towards living life like Jesus. But an interesting thing happened. I graduated from high school, and uh, right after I graduated from high school, my parents sold the home, and they made the crazy decision to move from Virginia to California. And so I graduated from high school. I spent like a couple weeks with my friends, and then we moved to California. And... Once my parents moved to California, yes, they went to a church. Yes, they, they, they got involved in a community. Um, but my mom never, she held some bitterness towards my dad for moving her away from her friends in Virginia. And so she stubbornly didn't choose to engage in community with people from her church. But she did work. And she liked the people she worked with. And... So they became her community. And so when she talked about her marriage problems, whereas the people in a Christ-centered community would be able to help her when she stumbled, to, 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 to help her understand a God's perspective on, on, on marriage and help her defend her marriage when she was overwhelmed, her friends at work, her new community, which they were not Christ followers, they would do things like this. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Well, you know, that thing, that thing right there, that's the reason why I left my ex-husband. And you need to do what makes you happy. You deserve better. You should leave him too. And you know what happened? She ended up leaving my dad. And it's a crazy story. One day, if you want to hear about it, uh, it Still, to this day, she's still suffering repercussions of the decision not to be deeply accountable to other 
people who follow Jesus. And I've often imagined what life for me and my kids would be like if my parents had a community of people that would have helped them persevere in keeping the commitments and covenant that they made to each other and God. Especially when life presented itself with overwhelming circumstances. From every person who has ever considered and considers me a pastoral figure in their life to the stranger maybe who was introduced to Clarity because someone told them that they would buy them lunch if they went to check out a church that met in a gym. (laughs) My desire is that every person is connected in a Christ-centered community. I want you and your family to be in a kind of community that will help you up when you fall but also help prevent you from being overwhelmed. And that's why when we dismiss today, we'll, we'll sing, we'll close in worship as we usually do. Um, and I think it's fitting that we'll be singing a song about surrender because submitting your life to community feels like surrender and you just have to do it. But when we dismiss today, I want every person or every family to at least put your name under a community. Even if you, like you're part of one already. I want you to put your name under a community. Even if you don't listen. Even if you don't think you'll ever go. Even if you don't think you'll ever go to one. If you're watching this online, listen. We'll have a link or something out. Put it right here. Just take a step that will at least find you placing your name under a group. And even if you never attended an in-person or a virtual community, here's here's the benefit. Uh, Let me just say this. If you're looking for a reason why, you'll at least be connected to a smaller group of people who consider themselves a part of Clarity Church that now you can communicate with and you have direct access. For us, for most of us, it's through the app. And I can't tell you How many times it's been a blessing to at least be connected to people that I am part of a church with because life happens, right? Things that are bound, things that are going to cause people some are bound to come and you just need to know that you can go, can you pray for me? And if you still believe in the power of prayer, then signing up for a community just to be put in a group with people that you can communicate with, that you have already, that you don't have to wonder, like, who can pray for me? I I want you to sign up just to do that. Or if you don't want to share, but you want to see what it's like (laughs) to see people ask a community to come alongside them, I I guarantee you, you'll watch. As I've even... I'm technically not part of one community, but I still linger in their messages. (laughs) Uh, And it's been awesome to see how they support one another. They pray for one another. And then they actually, things, things actually happen.
because of those conversations. And when you utilize this mobile app, you'll have direct access to communicating with people in a community. So when things that cause you to stumble happen, you don't have to wish you had people you could ask to pray for you. You're already connected. 